Hey, everybody, and welcome to Positively Midwest. We are in episode 25, and tonight I'm very excited for this episode, as I am for all of my episodes, believe it or not. But I've got a good friend of mine by the name of John Clockman. He is a local gourmet sandwich shop and coffee shop owner in a little town of Clear Lake, South Dakota. And uh, John, would you like to say hi to everybody and introduce yourself a little bit? Hello, my name is John. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. You bet, of course. Once we talked uh, the other day, I mean, not like I forgot or anything, but you uh, certainly intrigued my mind a little bit further because we've had some very good discussions over uh, the couple of years we've got to know each other. Uh, and yeah, I was excited for this. So I said, let's just do it right away. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we've had some deep conversations in the shop. so <laughs> For sure. So why don't you tell these um find Positively Midwest listeners a little bit about um, where you grew up, um, your family, you know, you got some brothers, sisters, you know, those kinds of things, and uh, just lay a little groundwork for us, and then we'll start digging in. Sounds good. Uh, I was born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and came from a large family, a uh, family of six. I have, I am the youngest of six. I have five older sisters. Um, had both my parents, they've lived in the same house in Sioux Falls since, uh, the day I was born, um, attended Washington high school in Sioux Falls, graduated out of Roosevelt, uh, joined the military, uh, the United States Navy short time after that, um, spent, uh, more than a decade, uh, in, in uniform, uh, sadly got, um, injured while I was, um, in the service and that, uh, that was a forced medical separation for, uh, the injuries that I had. Um, at the same time, actually was going through quite a long and lengthy dramatic divorce. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have gone through something similar. Um, from there, after I left the military, moved back to South Dakota and kind of gave up on um, loved there for a while and then just lo and behold, uh, met Mary by chance. That's my wife. Um, and kind of hit things off and turned a new cheek. And, um, unfortunately when, um, after a few years of Mary and I being married, uh, she was a director of financial aid for a college institution in Sioux Falls that sadly closed their doors. Um, a friend of mine who's in law enforcement uh, said that this building up in Clear Lake came available. It was reasonable. Uh, we were living in Del Rapids at the time. And then from there, we um, sold our house in Del Rapids, moved to Clear Lake, opened up a gourmet coffee and sandwich shop and daily special shop. And we haven't looked back since. Um, so you have five older sisters? That is correct. So... What was that dynamic like for you to grow up not only as the youngest, but with five older sisters? Um, can you elaborate on that dynamic a little bit, maybe? I have been very fortunate with family. Um, I came from a great family. Um, but as anybody can imagine, uh, living with five older sisters, plus you know my mother, um, my dad and I, 
Uh, to put it delicately, there was usually about a week out of the month where we would either hide in the garage or in the basement somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so did you, I mean, did you find it hard to, did it ever make it difficult having so many older sisters like as you were growing up or high school or you know, dating people or, I mean, did they pick on you? You know, I know a lot of that stuff is pretty normal, but was there anything that, that really stuck out that kind of, you know, it was a little tougher growing up because of this or that or something like that? Well, my two oldest sisters got married when I was pretty young. Um, so uh, not so much there. Um, all of my sisters have always been uh, very protective and. Um, caring of their younger brother. Um, Mary often says, you know, I know you're the youngest, but there are times that, you know, you're 40 plus years old and they still kind of treat you like you're 16. And <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know. It doesn't bother me. I mean, it's just, it's good ribbing, you know, just siblings being siblings. Um, not a whole lot of picking on me uh, growing up. But there was the occasional thing here or there, but nothing like overly dramatic. Okay. And uh, no, uh, evidently no childhood trauma. You didn't have any issues with parents and um, any of that kind of uh, issues in your childhood, like a fairly normal upbringing, it would sound like. Yeah, fairly normal upbringing. Um, family has always been very positive with uh, like a lot of my sisters uh played softball growing up so me growing up i i got into softball at a very young age um kindergarten as a matter of fact and i played softball um all the way up to the year i graduated and then played on and off throughout the years uh slow pitch stuff but yeah pretty much a normal everyday uh american family back you know back when that was kind of more of a normal thing than in the 60s and 70s Sure. Did uh, did they ever help you with the ladies? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, I often jokingly would say, you know, I, I grew up with five older sisters and a mother. You would think I would know, you know, something about women. But to be honest <laughs> with you, I am probably more clueless than your average guy. So <laughs> that's good. Um, so you went into the U S Navy. Uh, why did you choose that branch? If that's the right way to put it. Sorry, I might've muted you there. Oh yeah, um, yeah, you did. I was wondering. Okay. Well, this, sorry about that. this little bit will edit. So anyways, yeah. So the U S Navy, what made you choose that? <laughs> uh, now, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to disrespect any branch or any recruiters out there. I don't have anything bad to say about any branch of the military. Um, but when I was looking at uh, going into the military and going active duty, um, you know, the, a lot of recruiters were like, you know, you know, join this branch, we'll show you the world. Join this branch, we'll show you the world. But when you really, like, look at it, it's uh, like the Air Force, they might, you know, station you over in Aviano Air Force Base in Italy for two or three years. And yeah, you can catch, you know, trains from there, uh, flights from there and go do whatever you like. But truly the Navy is the one and only branch that 
you wake if you're deployed on a ship you wake up every day and you're like i wonder what body of water i'm in today and so with the united states navy i've been to um, 36 countries outside of north america most of them friendly some not so much yeah um so you found that intriguing but to me that scares the crap out of me thinking about uh you know never knowing what's coming up the next day and where you're going like did was there anyone in your family that was in the military or what, what drove you into to wanting to go into that in the first place? Um, really, it was more about, um, well, I did have one uncle that um, he was drafted and went to Vietnam. Um, I never got to meet him. Tragically, he died over there, but it wasn't um, anything from like enemy fire or anything. It was, uh, he was a radio man. Uh, so he worked in the command center, um, and it was during the monsoon season, and the headquarters was heavily fortified with sandbags and everything, and so where, where he lived, um, he the monsoon came in, and uh, a dike or a levee broke, and this raging monsoon waters went down through the command post and the sandbags toppled over um the area he was in and he drowned um for years my mom you know that's my mom's brother um he she my mom would not talk about um her brother very much and it wasn't until just a few years ago that she finally started opening up uh about him and stuff but no nobody else in my family has has ever served it was just more of a it was a desire to kind of see the world inexpensively. Um, and I got to do just that. I mean, got to see some pretty incredible things, got to see some pretty bad things, but you know, the good always outweighs the bad in my opinion. Good. So the, is like, uh, when you get into the Navy, is that similar to, I guess I'm not familiar. I know each branch might have its own, you know, like uh, boot camp, if you will, and uh, training programs and things like that. Uh, so is this where, like, I know there's the Navy SEALs and stuff, but is this where you had to learn underwater techniques and um, quite quite a rigorous training um, before you, you got to go? Uh, basic training, uh, at the time when I went in, basic training was offered for the United States Navy in two different locations, one being... Uh, just outside of Chicago where it is today. And the other one was in Orlando. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Orlando or Chicago. Um, I chose Chicago because, you know, that was closer to home. So if people wanted to see the basic training graduation, it would just be a short drive for them. But that's where I went and they teach you. Like I had people that were in um, my company that joined the Navy and they had no idea how to swim. And, uh, fortunately the, uh, boot camp instructors there, I mean, they work with people, you know, that's bad for them if people wash out. Um, but in this case, um, I actually had some pretty good, uh, leadership there and they worked with, uh, quite a few people on teaching them how to swim and, uh, pass basic, uh, swimming lessons essentially and then from there you have the opportunity to go through some more advanced uh swimming stuff um 
when I went through, I was a class one swimmer, which, um, that's as good as you can get without going into like, um, munitions, uh, explosive ordnance disposal or seals or bugs or anything like that. Nothing like crazy like those guys, but, um, that's the best you can get with, uh, on the, on not doing really, really dangerous stuff. So what was your, um, gosh, what do you call it? Position or what did you do in the Navy? Uh, I was an air traffic controller and, um, now that is the person in the control tower or in the radar room. It is not the person on the ground with low ons, which, uh, after I, uh, was in a few years and I came back and met up with some old high school friends that. Um, a majority of them said, oh, are you up there with the, the glow ones and stuff? I wasn't really a, a very good uh, high school student. Um, I barely passed. Um, so, And it wasn't that I'm not intelligent or anything. It was just high school was just extremely boring to me. And it wasn't until uh, I joined the military that I became more focused and so it was kind of surprising to a lot of people that that's actually what I did. And I had, you know, billions and billions of dollars of aircraft flying under my supervision and hundreds upon hundreds of lives every day. And so many people were shocked by that. They were just like, you do what now? <laughs> <laughs> well, and honestly, I think that that makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, as the world continues to evolve and we learn more and more about people, you know, they're trying to change the curriculum to engage more students and, you know, help you diversify what maybe you're stronger in and, you know, I don't know, like classify you a little bit better than just saying, okay, everybody learn this, everybody learn this, and then becomes monotonous because I, if it wasn't for Catherine, who knows if I would have um, graduated high school, but somehow or another, I ended up in, like with a B minus or something. So, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> yeah, thanks to her, but so is is there anything that stands out for you during your time in service there that um, is something you'd like to, to speak to the people about where, you know, it may be a, some sort of advisement, like if you're thinking about going into the military, I would consider this, or I'd stay away from this, or this was really scary for me, so be prepared for this, you know, those kinds of situations. Well, uh, there are so many different career paths, uh, to go on in all the different branches of service. Um, the Navy, ooh, the Air Force probably has the most positions that, uh, they have pretty close, um, civilian jobs like so if you went into the air force and you did this job there's a pretty good civilian counterpart i mean in the navy it's it's probably the second closest um really it's you know that's why they have the ASVAB. i mean it's an aptitude test to kind of figure out what you would be good at what you're interested in you know that kind of deal uh for me um i i grew up with a lot of aviation so uh, if somebody is looking to join uh, any branch of service, I always tell uh, young people up in the community here, you know, if you 
genuinely are interested in in making a career out of the military or even just joining, you know, want to do a three, four, five-year term, um, and you would like, you know, the honest truth, um, I am an excellent person to talk to. Um, I am completely unbiased about this. Even, like, after my injuries, um, I went through quite a rough patch there for a few years. Um, even with that being said, I still, I only have good things to say about the military. It's like any situation, really. It's any situation is going to be as good as you want it to be. If you go in with uh, a positive attitude, you know, you're going to have a positive outcome. It might not be the perfect outcome, but, you know, you go in with a good attitude, you might leave pretty good chance. You're going to leave with a, a good attitude. And that's just the way, um, I kind of looked at every day, even when, you know, times got pretty dark there for a while. But um, if anybody is genuinely interested in joining the military, you don't feel comfortable talking to a recruiter, um, which I did do a little recruiting duty for just a brief stint there. Um, I won't sugarcoat anything for anybody. So a good person to talk to about this. Sweet. Um, did you, so... When you were talk, you talked about um, a uh, like a forced medical separation. Um, do you feel comfortable discussing what kind of injury you you sustained, if you will, and how that, um, in a sense, ended your military career? Uh, yeah, I can discuss that a bit. Um, I ended up. Um, the gist of it is, I ended up with a. Um, head, neck, back, and groin injury. Um, and after I got out, uh, well, they got to back up just a little bit. With uh, the career path I was on, there's two physicals. There's one, you have a general military physical, um, which anybody who goes to the military, you have to have, you have to be able to pass this general military physical. You have to be able to, you know, uh, rotate your arms a certain way, you know, do it without restriction or pain, um, you know, just general, basic general physical. And then uh, since I was in an aviation field, I had to pass an aviation physical, which that is a much more detailed and thorough uh, physical. So after I was injured, um, I no longer passed the flight physical, but I passed the general military physical. So my flight status, it's, you're either in an up status or you're in a down status. So after I was injured, I was in a down status. Um, I was actually coming off of a deployment when this happened. And, and I actually had orders to go to uh, Keflavik, Iceland. I was going to do a, a two-year stint up there and then come back stateside for five years. Um, but the Bureau of Personnel with the United States Navy um, if you're in an aviation status, you're not allowed to transfer if you're in a down status. So my orders were canceled and I was put on medical hold um, in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, from there, I spent uh, about a year there. And then uh, 9-11 happened and I was adamant about going back to the fight. And I basically walked into the flight surgeon's office and I said, um, I don't care what you need to do or what I need to do. You need to put me back into an up status. I'm going back to the fight. And 
<laughs> they fortunately for me on this part, um, they understood understood the need of operational necessity. Um, went through a little bit of physical therapy, had a few surgeries, um, and I barely squeaked by on the um, flight physical. The bad thing was is they basically said okay um you just came off of uh, a three-year deployment three years um status they were like we cannot send you back and i was like no no no. i'm like i fought to get here i'm going back to the fight um and they said no you can either go be a recruiter you can be a boot camp instructor or you can go be a top gun instructor and i was like well, I'm, it's not it in me to uh, go be a recruiter or um, a boot camp instructor. So off to Top Gun I went. And from there, um, things were pretty much back to normal. And then I was out there about three years. Um, and from there, <laughs> um one of the surgeries, I, I had to have a small counter surgery um, for something, and it actually made matters worse. And then the military was like, no, we need this billet filled. And so I, they were trying to uh, medically discharge me. Um, but, you know, as with any good government agency, you know, there is a path to basically kind of petition it. And so I did. Um so I fought this med board once and I won, got to stay in, was trying to go back to the fight. Um, then I had a, a new board member that got on um, and he put me back up for the med board um, and then fought that one and won and then was getting ready to redeploy. Um, and then on the third one, uh, lost that one. So it was a, it was a forced separation for just from my injuries, unfortunately. And then that, um, that's when, as you uh, mentioned, it would became a little bit of a darker time for you. Like, was it a, um, like rejection thing or like PTSD type thing, or just, uh, that you weren't able to get back into it when you, when you really felt that you needed to. It was, it was a shock on quite a few different levels. I mean, the, I, I absolutely love the military. Um, you know, like I said, there's good with the bad. Um, but I always looked at the good. Um, aviation is just, it's just built into me. Um, uh, that was something that I'm still passionate about to this day. Um, so one, leaving the military, um, two, leaving aviation. And then three, on top of that, um, I, my wife served me divorce papers. So here I was literally, you know, thousands of miles from what I knew as home as Sioux Falls. And, you know, I'm married with four children. Um, and now I'm literally going from being a family man to I'm returning to South Dakota. Um, I'm, I'm feeling like a failure on so many levels. Um, one, I wasn't in aviation. Two, I wasn't going to be in the military anymore. And three, you know, I have two boys and two girls that, you know, I absolutely love with all my heart. And just having to say, you know, goodbye to them 
it was just very difficult. One thing that I've always been curious about, and it and it might be from from my own childhood, but um, when I was born, I guess shortly after there, my dad went into the military and he was in the Marines for a few years, and then um, and then got out. So in your case, um, that was one of the questions I was going to ask, and you answered it already. But so you had four children in the midst of while you were serving. What like what was that? What's that like? Like how do you? Um, you know, I couldn't imagine personally leaving my children to go out for months and or years away from them, even though what you're doing is is you know extremely important to to our country and so on. But but how do you deal with something like that and and just be gone from them for such a long period of time and they don't even have the technology they do today where you can communicate? I I mean, can you elaborate on that a little and? If that was, I'm sure it was difficult for you, but how do you deal with that? It's, I'm not going to lie. That is, um, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in a large family and, you know, that's all I ever wanted was having a large family of my own. Um, to have to say, you know, goodbye to them for, you know, six plus months at a time. Um, yeah, it was very, very difficult, but, um, you know, back then it was, it was kind of different times. Um, so like with like Bosnia and stuff, I mean, I've been to Bosnia, I've been to Croatia. Um, I've, I've seen where people were making their last stands and, you know, to fight that kind of liberation and that oppression and especially that genocide. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a much bigger, um, sense of feeling, you know, trying to make the world uh, a better place. Even if, you know, one minor thing that I do in the day changes somebody's life. I mean, that that's monumental to me. Um, I try and pass that down to my kids um, every day, you know. One minor little ripple might, you know, have a really good positive effect on somebody and it might change, you know, their opinion or their thought process or their decision-making just on something minor that could have, you know, a positive ripple effect and change their life in some way. Um, as difficult it was to, to say goodbye to my kids, you know, I've always been, um, a safety guy. It's, a, it's just kind of, kind of embedded into my DNA. You know, I'm, I've always been a person that I plan for the worst and I pray for the best. Um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, my thought process is really it's kind of weird. Like um, some people call it operational risk management, but like that whole trying to think of um, what's the worst possible case scenario with this and what's the best possible case scenario with that. And I, I still do that to this day. I mean, even like driving from Clear Lake to like my folks house in Sioux Falls, you know, if it's winter time, you know, do I have uh, cold weather gear in the car? Do I have salt? Do are, is my spare tire full? You know, what happens if I go in the ditch? What happens if I roll? You know, what happens if, you know, somebody comes across the interstate, you know, going the opposite way and, you know, hits us head on, you know, you just, it's, it might sound like paranoia, but, you know, it's just the way that's just a kind of embedded into me. I'm not a paranoid person, but, you know, I like to be prepared, but, um, as far as leaving my kids, that's, it was always difficult, but 
you know, I was a safety guy. Um, I always kept a positive note saying, you know, this is going to work out. I'll be back, you know, but if I don't, you know, I always have life insurance and, you know, it's not easy to, for some of the people to talk about, but, you know, when you look at the, the bigger picture of everything, yeah, it's tough, but the positive impact that it had, it, I think it would, it, uh, it kind of helped. Did, do you feel that, um, being that, um, always being that prepared with the safety side of things, has that ever dampened your ability to, to complete a task or to make the decision to go and do something because you dissected it so much that you almost talk your way out of it? Um, no, it's kind of like a pros and cons list. Um, something similar to that. Um, there were a few times where I knew in the decision-making process that um, I knew what I was going into, that there was an extreme risk. Um, and sadly, I mean, that's part of the military. You go into some scenarios where you know that, you know, there's a high probability that things could go very, very wrong. Um, but, you know, that's what, years of training and education, you know, that's when you have to fall back on that, you know, um, you kind of got to, when, when things get that bad, when you're going into a situation, you know, training and education kind of takes you to a point and you kind of got to rely on that, but then you're really, you're, you're kind of putting your faith in the Lord, really. I mean, it's terrifying, but if you've got the faith, it's either going to work out or it's not. So, it's rough, but that's what you kind of got to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I can see too where, you know, when you, when you kind of explain that with your having the training and falling back on that, that's probably the real difference between someone psychologically, well, psyching themselves out by, oh, I better not do that because if I do that, this will happen or that'll happen or it won't work or this or that or you know, then those are those are the ones that are talking themselves down because they don't have re- any real training, any real experience. They're just kind of throwing out a bunch of worries without even knowing if something like that's possible, really. Yep. So, well, um, let's maybe uh, touch on this because, you know, a lot of our conversations with Catherine and I are about about dating each other and about marriage and about some issues and... Uh, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff we post is about that too. If if you uh, would indulge us and in maybe elaborating on some some things you may have went through with the, your divorce, maybe it would help someone that's going through that or may have to or has or you know all that. Well, when I say my divorce was uh, painful and uh, dramatic, it, it really. It really was. Um, the divorce took uh, three years, almost three years. Um, I, you know, I tried to make the marriage work, and I know at times she did too, but there's just at a point where I don't like to quit, but in um, this point, I mean, I really wasn't given a any better of a hand. I mean, once you get served with divorce papers, um, it kind of hits you really, really hard. Um, so 
that part of me, that, that failure was what I take it as. Um, it's not a good feeling. I mean, it, uh, the best way, I mean, your head hurts, your body aches, your heart just, it's just a God awful feeling. Um, and like I said, you know, this, this took nearly three years. It just seemed like every time we would kind of come to some kind of agreement that, you know, Hey, this is going to be done and over with all of a sudden she would change her mind and she would want, uh, something else. I literally left, um, Nevada, which is where Top Gun is based. I left Nevada. Um, I had, uh, my vehicle and a small um, five by eight U-Haul trailer. That's all I took. Um, it was literally my clothes, my uniform. Um, and that was pretty much it. I was more worried about, you know, my kids being, since um, we ended up getting uh, split custody, but um, they were to remain in Nevada while, so they could finish up the school year and stuff. But I didn't want, my kids to be without anything that they've grown up to know, you know? So like I wasn't worried about, you know, a dishwasher or, um, anything material. I was just, I was just more worried about them and, you know, to leave Nevada and say goodbye. I mean, that's just, it's, uh, it's ineffable, very hard to describe. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people in the world that, you know, their children are their lives and I can totally relate with that. Um, but for one reason or another, it just, every time we would try and agree on something, she would change her mind. And, um, at, towards the end there, I got really, really petty with some of the stuff. And I'm like, really, you want this fine. Just take it. But every time she would try and change it, you know, attorneys uh like my retainer for my attorney was like eight thousand dollars and so every time she would change it you know then i'm paying paralegals and you know for somebody that is literally leaving the military and has everything that i've trained to do um i literally cannot do in the civilian world because if i don't pass the flight physical for the military i can't pass the flight physical on the civilian side either so i was literally going home with no idea and no direction on which way I was going to go with my life. And I was doing that, um, by myself. Fortunately, um, I had my entire family to fall back on and I, I thank God for them every day. I really do. And it must've been maybe personally in your head, uh, tougher on you to finalize that divorce coming from a family that, had so many siblings and, and that, uh, that good childhood and mom and dad still together after all these years. And here you've got your four kids, you're building that family. And now, um, now you're divorced, I guess you'd say. Yep. And it, as soon as the, and like, so when I say the divorce took three years, so as soon as I left Nevada and returned to South Dakota, um, uh, I went through quite a few surgeries and some procedures uh, to try and correct things to kind of get back into a flight status. Um, 
because that was one of the stipulations was um, if I was if I had the ability to uh, get things corrected, um, I would be eligible for reentry into the military. So my focus was, um, you know, at least getting physically healthy. Um, I know mentally, um, it was I was very scared, um, very hurt. Um, but you know, I had, uh, at least a goal, you know, get better. Um, so I went through quite a few surgeries and some procedures and was working on, on getting better. Um, my family was my support tree in this case and, and definitely my faith. Um, but as soon as the kids, uh, finished their school year, um, my now ex, um, up and moved the kids to uh, South Carolina. Um, moved around three times there um, in a couple of years. Um, she moved to West Virginia, and I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't even know they moved. Um, and for the longest time, um, I didn't even have an address for them in West Virginia. So then from there, they moved from West Virginia, and then they moved to Pennsylvania, uh, moved around a few times in Pennsylvania, and then finally here uh, about seven, six, seven years ago, they moved back to uh, South Dakota. So um, now I have three of the four closest. My Actually, my oldest uh, followed in my footsteps and is currently active duty Navy. Um, serving right now he's in florida and believe it or not right across the street from uh, my first duty station so wow that's crazy yeah so uh, isn't there like some legalities though with just being able to move from state to state with like having joint custody didn't you have to say that's okay or anything like i always thought when i was little and my parents got divorced neither one of them could take me out of state or or move without um, them both agreeing. You would think that, but in Nevada at the time, that was a completely different story. That oh. was not a requirement. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Each place has their own set of rules, I guess. So, correct. Um, yikes. So now, um, during your deepest, darkest time um, during all of this situation with coming out of the military and. Um, dealing with a divorce and uh, what um, you mentioned your family was very supportive and that was kind of your support tree during that time. What other like frequent practices or, uh, or maybe some advice there that, you know um, I know of some friends of mine that, that are dealing with similar situations and hopefully it doesn't go that direction, but who knows? And uh, you know, I've dealt with it as a child, but um, and certainly we've been close to that too in the past, but how I know how scary that can be. And when you were kind of trying to put that into words, it is tough because it's, it's like a fear of loss. Um, and then sometimes you're like, well, good riddance. I don't want you around either. It's almost like a death. Like there's that, the seven stages or whatever it is there. And, uh, but what did you turn to that, that tried to keep you the most positive during some of those darker times? Oh, well, um, you know, friends and family, um, 
they're they can be an excellent um support network but um for me my personal beliefs um i can't really say like friends and family in my situation friends and family could only do so much it was honestly it it was a, a great feeling having them there but when like in my case like i i there was a point where even friends and family um i had kind of lost hope with um with some of that um it was it was genuinely the darkest time in my life um friends and family can only do so much and like i genuinely hit rock bottom and um i was extremely vulnerable at times um i don't have a lot of fears but that is looking back on it like i was just completely numb um i genuinely did not have a care for myself at that point um a couple of the surgeries and procedures didn't go as expected um it was just insanely dark and um I, like like i told you like uh when i moved back to south dakota i literally had that small u-haul trailer uh with my things in it and i was rummaging through a few things and i came across um my um i attended first lutheran church in sioux falls um and when i was a kid going through sunday school um i kids are given a, a version of the bible um in my case it was called the good news bible i don't know if you have any listeners that are familiar with it i still have my copy i found that copy well that was like literally i opened up uh, a tote and it was right there on the top and i just kind of started reading and i just kind of i i couldn't tell you how long i read um it didn't seem like very long but uh looking back on it i would say it was it was probably an hour and a half to two hours and i fell asleep uh reading the bible and i woke up and i i genuinely felt better and i was like okay this is a step in the right direction um i've always been very self-critical and i'm usually pretty good about self-assessing um and I, I was like okay i just need to you know have a repeat performance of today or of yesterday today but eliminate some of that bad stuff and truly it was just this renewed faith in in god that really helped me and then plus um all of my sisters they still attend church regularly um you know just getting back into that routine of of family and going to uh going to church on sunday and you know just getting back into that um that genuinely without a doubt helped me that saved my life at that point and it's you know it's so different for so many people um you know i think that a lot of people will you know i don't want to say it's easy but it seems like when we're down and out, you know, we can turn to God or um, maybe it's a self-help book or counseling, you know, therapy and stuff like that. Have you ever 
um, reached out and done any like counseling or, or therapy or have you found, if you did, have you found that to be a healthy solution for, for yourself and, and recommend it for others or anything or? Um, I, I have done counseling. Um, I did, uh, see a psychologist for a little while and I did see a psychiatrist for a little while. Um, not to say anything about, uh, the department of veterans affairs, but, um, sometimes they can be, they would rather throw a medication at a problem than actually sitting down and trying to figure out what the problem is. Um, going through the psychologist and then through the psychiatrist, I was on a medication for a little while. Um, different things work for different people. Um, I did not feel like the medication uh, was helping me. Um, I did attend um, a little bit of group therapy for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and it, it always, in my opinion, you know, like I said, it, it's different for everyone. But for me, um, being able to sit around with um, other veterans who have gone through uh, similar things in their life and just being able to talk about it. And the group therapy that I went through was, um, it was a faith-based um, uh, group therapy and that helped me as well. But like I said, this different things work for different people. It's kind of like the apps to the ASVAB for the military. You just, you kind of have to poke around in the water sometimes and, Find what you're comfortable with, you know, find what helps you. Um, and in my case, um, group therapy helps me the most, I think, um, outside of faith and family and friends. And over, overall, really, I mean, whatever you're dealing with, just make sure that you don't give up and you do reach out and keep trying different uh, styles of therapy, if you will, whether it's you know, the medication or a counselor or therapist or friends or family or, you know, just giving somebody a call. I mean, really, we just need to, to reach out. Exactly. I, I always tell people, um, especially I still got friends that are uh, in the service to this day. And, you know, this is the supervisor in me. Um, I always tell them, you know, if you ever have a problem, if you ever need to talk, I would rather, you know, stay up all night with you and talk about your problems than to say, plan a funeral. Um, anybody in the military, um, if you've been in long enough, you'll eventually lose, um, friends that you serve with. And, uh, sadly, um, sometimes it's, uh, due to suicide. Um, like my son right now, um, now granted he's at a new command, but at a new duty station, but, um, just his unit alone, um, they've lost three people to suicide in the last, uh, 10 months. And, uh, that's, I mean, there have been dark times in my life where, you know, that thought has come up. Um, but really just like going through the group therapy, you know, they always say, you know, 
uh, a person's suicide, it might end their problem, but it could begin for someone else because of that suicide. Um, and sadly, you know, my son's getting to experience that um, with a couple of people that he didn't really know that well because he's new to that duty station. But um, sadly, that type of thing happens not just in the military, but, you know, happens in the civilian world too. But I would rather stay up all night and talking to somebody than to have to attend a funeral. Yeah. And it's important that, that people realize that, uh, you know, there's, you're not the only one that's going through it. I don't, I don't think there's one problem out there in the entire planet that someone, at least one other person in the world has or is going through. So, you know, by you, gosh, we have so much information out there available to us now with, with Google and obviously make sure you're fact checking things, but you know, whatever you're curious about or you're going through or, or the deepest, darkest thoughts that you're having, someone else is going through that with you and they might, there might be someone out there that can help support you with it. Yes. There, there are so many resources. Um, you know, the, the strides that, uh, we have made as not as just a country, but as, um, as a planet, I mean, um, the new information that's been coming out and being able to help people that are in distress. Um, there's really been a massive spotlight shined on mental illness. Um, and they've made great strides, um, just within the last two decades. Um, there's so many avenues and outlets for, uh, anyone that needs help. Sometimes, um, a person just, they might not need, you know, full on counseling. Sometimes they might feel just a little bit blue and they just need a little pick me up. And there are so many resources out there for people to access. It's just a matter of getting that information to those people, um, that, that need it or want it. Very well put, sir. So let's uh, let's do some positive stuff here. I am curious how, because this is something that we strive to do with Positively Midwest, whether it's the podcast episodes or it's the daily posts that we have, but what would be your advice on trying to be a positive influence on social media? Ooh, trying to be a positive influence on social media. <laughs> um, well, it depends on which social media platform you're using. Um, I'm not real big into the Instagram. Um, not a fan of Twitter, although I do have both accounts, but I don't use them very often. Uh, I would say I use Facebook the most. Um, and not just because of, of my personal profile, but I, I run about six other pages, um, for different organizations within the community and stuff like the American Legion, Charles Curry post, or I help with like the Dutch oven cooking group, um, stuff like that. But one thing, if depending upon what type of, uh, device you're using like i know if if anybody on my feed posts 
you know, whether it's a funny video or a dodo video of, you know, some uh, cute animals or uh, stuff like that, you know, if you click one, you know, you got to do is keep scrolling up and it's just a bunch of random videos here and there. I always click on those uh, little three dots up in the upper right corner and I have, I've got about 25 different um, folders on my Facebook page. And, you know, I'm like, ooh, this is a cool one about this dog that was rescued in a drainage canal and the amazing transformation and rescue of this of this dog. And I click, you know, save to my animals folder. Um, especially now, there's, there's a lot of division in the country and um, it just seems like there are a lot, a lot of negative posts out there. Um, you know, people with viewpoints on all the spectrums and, you know, people constantly getting into arguments and, and on social media, which I don't fully understand. Um, I understand a person wanting to express themselves, but all of that negativity, I mean, they're in my, like I said, you take the good with the bad. So, um, if you like, even though like today looking through my Facebook feeds, I saw it was probably about 80% was just negative stuff. Um, I always, if I seeing too much of a, an imbalance there, like on Saturday, I literally went into my animal videos feed and I don't know if you saw them, but I think I posted 20 or 30 different uh, animal videos just to kind of throw a ripple into that negativity stream and hopefully it'll disrupt it. And, you know, I, that one with the uh, pigeon spinning around on the whirly bird with uh, you spin me right now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That one, I just, I, you know, it's like a five second video, but it's hilarious. Um, you know, seeing stuff like that, you know, throwing out that positivity into that stream. Hopefully it, like I was talking about that ripple effect earlier, hopefully that somebody will click on that video and then they're scrolling through random videos and then they find some funny, uh, animal video or inspirational, this dog or cat was rescued and so on and so forth. And maybe they'll start posting, you know, that's just kind of how I've been dealing with it on social media lately. Um, I do change my name on Facebook, as you know, because I have a rather unique last name. It's pretty easy to track me down. Um, but uh, in these particular cases, um, I like seeing the positive um, start to kind of interject on those negative ones. So Beautiful. So my my maybe last question I think for you is what what positive advice if you will would you have um and I've asked quite a few guests this but what is uh some positive advice you might have to deal with today's keyboard warriors Oofta Boy that's a loaded question <laughs> Um, I, I personally, I try not to, uh, interject on, on social media too much. Like I am, 
it's very rare for me to actually uh, chime up and speak out about about really anything. Um, I use Facebook um, mostly for posting said funny videos or inspirational videos or um, like we have several groups, like one for my family where we post pictures, you know, it's a private group. So it's nice to see those. And uh, my wife's family has one too. Um, but hmm, my thought process on this is the, I don't know if I really want to use the label or term social justice warriors. Um, but my belief is, is if somebody's posting something on Facebook, whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, um, unless you interact with that person, like physically on a daily basis, the chances of you actually changing their opinion is probably next to nothing. Now I'm not saying, you know, don't give up hope on people, but changing a person's opinion by, you know, letting your fingers do the talking, you know, typing it out. Um, that might not be the best avenue. Um, sometimes in order to change a person's opinion, like sometimes it just has to be something really, really drastic. And sadly, in my case, I'm, you know, there's nothing I can say or do that is going to drastically, um, change that person's opinion. For the most part, I, I leave them alone. I did get involved um, on one here a few weeks ago. Um, like I said, I'm a little new to Clear Lake. Um, we've been up here about four years. But in, you know, being a food and beverage establishment, you know, you get to know the locals pretty well. And, you know, you really get to know them. And that's one of the things I love about small town living. Um, you get to meet some genuinely great, honest, hardworking, nice people, just genuinely nice people. And on this one particular post, um, uh, somebody was talking about, uh, Candace Owens and was very respectful, but somebody from, uh, one on the East coast, uh, disagreed and was very distasteful and some other people commented that we're from within the community here and every time someone would comment and like I said these are nice people this person from the east coast would just get on there and just start cyberbullying them and you know electronically um, harassing them and it really struck a nerve for me after I was, it took me about a day and a half to read. There were oh, well over a hundred comments on there and they were just, there was just a hate in their soul and there was nothing that anyone was going to say on there that was going to change this person's mind or ideology. But the way that they were attacking these people, who, this person has never even met. I just, I couldn't sit on the sideline. And um, after everything that I've been through, um, it's almost impossible for somebody to 
make me mad. Um, I wasn't mad in this case. I was actually, uh, being in the military, you kind of harness that adrenaline. And in my case, I kind of took that adrenaline and focused it on, you know, facts and nothing opinion, nothing feeling related. It was just strictly facts. And I took about three hours and putting it all together and did not attack the person, did not call him any names or anything, just said, you know, this, 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 and this. And then at the end, I said, you know, please do not attack or cyber bully these people. I was like, you've never met them. You don't know anything about them. I was like, I happen to know about a half a dozen people on here personally. And these are genuinely honest, good people. Um, and I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Um, I wasn't expecting the response I got. Um, it was not so pleasant of a response against me. Um, but everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'm not, you can call me any name in the book. It's not going to offend me. Um, you know this. Um, but she was less than friendly with me. And, um, so unfortunately at the time I was in an area without, um, any type of cell service. Um, but I had seen what her response was to me. And so I knew I was going to be back in cell service within a few days. And once I got back, I, you know, got everything caught up in the house and the business and then said, okay, I'm going to sit down and respond and just a nice gentle and said, I'm not trying to offend you kind of deal. Um, I genuinely am curious, you know, I had some specific questions. Um, and then I found out a short time after I responded that she had blocked me. So that was the end of that. And it was just, it's just those type of people. I mean, like I said, you know, plan for the worst, pray for the best. In this case, this was somebody that was um, very passionate about what they believed in. Um, and there was nothing that anybody on there was going to say or do or show this person that was going to change their mind. And then it became uh, completely uh, evident that when after she blocked me, Hey, what did I tell you about that? There was, there was going to be about to change subject here. I haven't seen an airplane out at the airport here in a couple of weeks. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> He's spinning around the land here. Kind of comical. For those of you who don't know, I'm sitting actually out at the uh, Clear Lake Municipal Airport. It's beautiful grass field runway. Um, and the city does a great job taking care of this. We don't have any hangers out here or anything, um, but in, I told Steve before we started this, uh, my wife and I have this great big uh, Newfoundland dog. He's about 160 pounds. Big, gentle, giant, kindest dog I've ever had. Um, but he was feeling really, really antsy and playful, and I told my wife, I was like, I'm just going to go hang out at the airport because you know, I haven't seen an airplane out here in a couple of weeks, so I'll be left the uh, undisturbed out here i told steve hey you know i haven't seen an airplane out here but i, I bet one's going to show up while we're doing this podcast <laughs> and sure enough here comes a turbo prop crop duster well it wouldn't be uh the 
positively Midwest unless we had a crop duster fly by. You know it, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I got off topic there a little bit, but you know, like I said, if you don't interact with this person physically on a daily basis, um, there are so many people that just, they thrive on um, likes and shares and they thrive on um, conflict online because in their minds, well, I can't speak for everyone, but in some of their minds, um, this type of, you know, keyboard drama is what they thrive on. And it's, it's not healthy. It really isn't. Um, I'm no stranger to giving up social media. Um, uh, there was about a year there where I gave up social media completely. Um, you know, I was, I felt out of touch with some of my friends cause it's not like, you know, they're texting me their pictures and stuff every day, but you know, things like Facebook, you know, they got those three little dots in the right corner. You can just, you know, snooze somebody for 30 days if you don't like their negative comments. And, you know, if you don't like somebody's opinion, just unfriend them. I mean, it, social media, you have every right to either listen to it or not listen to it. And in this case, just take the high road. It'll pay off in the end. That's perfect because I think, uh, you know, everybody reads that stuff and you you get pulled into that, you know, that negative tornado and that that whirlwind, if you will, of um, the cesspool of negativity. And and if you you are what you surround yourself with, whether whether it's, um, you know, you you pull your advice from um, the Bible and religion or you do it through self-help, all of those things say you you are what you surround yourself with. And if you're going to constantly keep uh, looking into the negative posts on there, you're you're going to get upset. You're going to get mad. You're going to get sad. And then you might, you know, make a sort of a mistake by blasting off on somebody. And then I guess in my personal eyes, you're, you're becoming more part of the problem than you are the solution, you know. And really, you hit the nail on the head too, I thought, with me when – you know, you're not going to change anyone's mind and you're more than likely not going to change the world on social media. So let your actions speak for themselves and, and go out into the world and be the change that you want to see if if that's what is important to you. Exactly. Um, there, if you, there are so many different things that you can do to uh, keep a uh, positive outlook on things. I mean... You know, we talked about, you know, self-help. I mean, if you've got uh, a Kindle, I mean, there's so many free digital downloads on on Amazon that can help you with this. Um, if you're not a religious person, I mean, that is a perfect avenue for you. Um, there are countless um, different resources that you can use, whether you know, there's a 1-800 number you can call for if you're in a really dark place. Um, there are some people that, you know, they get to a certain dark point in their life and uh, they may feel like there's no hope. And they know, like, if they go down this dark road, there's no coming back. Um, and some people can recognize that. And, you know, they just need the help. And, you know, 
sadly, that's why there are some people that have attempted suicides is because they don't know how to ask for that help. Um, and by having attempted the suicide, that's their way of crying out for the help. And I, I hope and pray nobody gets to that point, but I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it does happen. Um, but there are so many different avenues out there. I, I always tell people, you know, if you ever need help, you know, a simple text message or a call, um, I will do what I can uh, for anybody that knows me. Um, and then, you know, but I love your podcast. Um, love the positive posts. If, you know, if you don't want to do see the positive posts on social media, you know, go on Amazon or go down to Barnes and Noble and buy one of those daily calendars with inspirational quotes or buy one of those daily calendars with, uh, cute kittens and dogs and you know it i mean it has been scientifically proven that animals help uh lower stress rate lower blood pressure i mean you want to make a difference go adopt a pet um rescue rescue an animal um um in my case um unfortunately my dog that i rescued um, from a kill shelter out in nevada she passed away some years ago but um, now we have this big lovable goof named Baloo. Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that helps. I've never been a bird person. My oldest daughter got a couple of budgies. I love those birds. I never would have thought I was a bird person, you know. But, you know, never hurts to do a quick Google search if social media is bum- bumming you out. You know, I know you've got some positive quotes and stuff on and uh, memes and pictures on your Facebook page and that's great um, if that's what people need absolutely take in more of that if you want to uh, see more of that I encourage people you know go out uh, on a night like tonight where you've got you know the sun setting to the west there and grab some nature shots and uh create a meme where, you know, an inspirational quote and post it on there with your picture and share that, you know, and say, you know, I took this in, uh, Castlewood, you know, and this is my quote, you know, get creative, have fun with stuff. Yeah. That's exactly what, uh, that's what our logo basically is, is the sun setting in the summer behind this big, huge tree that I'm in love with. And it's just looked great. And so, that's uh, a lot of times that's what Catherine will use as a backdrop to um, post her own quotes and stuff too. So that was very well said, sir. And I can't appreciate you enough right now. Um, so is there anything that you, that we, you think you, we missed or any, any final words, if you will, and maybe we'll wrap this bad boy up. Well, um, we were briefly talking about um, how I found my good news Bible and I started reading that um, from there. Um, you know, like I said, it's different for everybody. If, if you're not into faith-based inspiration, that's fine. Um, we live in this great country. I mean, you're right to like or dislike whatever you want, but, you know, find an outlet, a resource that, 
even if it's a little bit of a difference. Um, obviously, don't go bankrupt doing it, but you know, utilize that resource or that outlet. Um, uh, in my case, I for me it was uh, faith and family and friends, and then uh, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I am I am at peace, um, but. I didn't, I honestly, other than my father, I did not tell anybody this. And I said, I am going to focus on my faith, my family and my friends. And I told my dad, I was like, I am just, I am giving up on women for a while. I was like, you know, I was raised by six women and my dad and I got divorced. I was like, I'm just, I'm giving up on women for a while. And I was just going to focus on those three things, faith, family, and friends. And then it was two weeks later, uh, just by chance, Mary and I bumped into each other, so to speak. And I was not expecting it. I was not planned for it. And it just blossomed into this great thing that uh, her and I have. And um, now we own and operate this great little um, coffee shop and gourmet sandwich shop and daily special shop in Clear Lake and you know we're six blocks from the actual lake Clear Lake um, and there I have I have kids that come into our shop um, this is a perfect example and if she's listening she'll know um, this mom she's pretty regular um, she comes in a couple of weeks ago and she tells me, and this mom tells me the story and she goes, um, yeah, she goes, my kids were talking and they were like, John and Mary are married and they work together and they live together. How do they do it? <laughs> like, and you know, with Mary and I, we just, and it sounds really corny, but, she is just amazing and we just click that way. I mean, we love working together. We obviously love being married to each other. Otherwise we wouldn't be in this business together. <laughs> but I mean, it's, there's hardly a moment where I'm, I'm not with her or nearby from her. Um, and you know, it was just one of those things that it's, uh, it just happened. I wasn't expecting it. And you can call it chance. You can call it luck. You can call it faith. Um, you can call it whatever you want. Um, but I, I think that was the Lord speaking to me and to her, obviously. And I'm glad it worked out, uh, the way it did for her. And I, it's just, the woman has literally saved my life twice. Um, Remember, I was telling you about those dark times with um, some of those surgeries and procedures. Um, I had a surgery that went horribly wrong and um, pretty close to the end there for a while. And had Mary not uh, taken me into the emergency room when she did, um, I genuinely would not be here today. There's no doubt in anybody's mind. And, uh, Thank God the 
nursing staff on the second floor of the Department of Veterans Affairs in Sioux Falls went through tremendous things to help me through my recovery. Um, but without a doubt, that woman has saved my life. And that's just proof to me. It might not be proof to everybody that's listening, but it's proof to me that um, there is definitely uh, a higher being. There's You can have whichever deity you want, but for me, uh, that was God putting her into my life um, for a reason. Um, but like I said, she's done that twice for me now. So, and that was the most extreme one, but, um, you know, sometimes good things happen when you least expect it. And when they do, it's up to that person to reach out and grab that great moment and hold on <laughs> as long as you can. It might not last forever, but take advantage of those moments that present themselves. Yeah, be present and live in them. And I can't help but think that as you were explaining, going through all that, if and when Mary listens to this, I can already see her big old smile as uh, she's kind of shaking her head a little and smiling a bunch as you're you're uh, just oozing all this this love towards her. So big shout out to Mary. She's a super awesome person. I think I've got to talk to her once, maybe twice for sure when you weren't around actually at the place. And, uh, um, we had good chats too. So my hat's off to her because you're probably a handful sometimes, even though you're a super cool dude. (laughs) Well, with that smile, I guarantee you there will be an eye roll. That's her favorite thing to do to me in the world. I, I absolutely find it adorable, but, um, Yes, that's uh, the kind of the joke. The first interview I did with 991 uh, was with Dave. And uh, as a joke, like, if anybody that's listening, if you get to know me, I am, I channel a lot of uh, my humor through sarcasm. So, like, I have a sign up in my shop. Like, I am probably one of the most sarcastic people. I'm being very well behaved at this moment. Um, but when Dave was interviewing me for August, the name of the shop is August 17th, Gourmet and Coffee Sandwich Shop. Uh, we're on Facebook, obviously. Uh, I got a website too, but, um, as a joke, he, Dave asked me, he was like, oh, so what's your wife's name? Da, 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 da. And I, I almost said Consuela. <laughs> and cause that's kind of an ongoing joke with my wife and I. Um, but I was like, oh man, you know, if her folks listen to this, they might be like, what now? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's you know sarcasm is a good vent you know if that's your avenue um if any of your listeners are listening and they would like to come in and sit down and just shoot the breeze with uh mary or i um the best time to do that is in the afternoon if you're just looking for a drink or some food obviously anytime that we're open but <laughs> just want to hang out enjoy a good cup of south dakota coffee which Dark Canyon Coffee out in the Black Hills does all of our roasting for us. Um, if they mention the 25th uh, podcast, um, we can do a buy one, get one half off if they want. They just got to mention it at checkout. But for you, Steve, you know, I always charge you double. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. I'll help uh, cover the cost for somebody that, that actually listened to us and came in there and patroned your fine establishment because 
they have very awesome breakfast breakfast sandwiches. Um, I frequent the lattes in in the coffee world, so I like those. And I am a fan of uh, Dark Canyon because I like the Black Hills in general. Anyways, so you okay, guys now Steve, awesome. don't be shy. You know you don't call them breakfast sandwiches. What do you really call them? A Sammy? Yeah, there you go. A sandwich? A Sammy. <laughs> yeah, I think. For your listeners, <laughs> Steve messages me one day. He's like, I need to give me some. I think you said a B-Sammy. And I was like, a B-Sammy? I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, Steve, I'm like, are you having a stroke? Are you okay? What's going on? He's like. Then you messaged back, and I think it was a breakfast Sammy, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna need to call the sheriff's department and send a deputy <laughs> over to do a check well-being because there's something wrong with Steve." <laughs> and then five minutes later, Steve shows up. He's like, "You've never heard of a breakfast Sammy?" And I was like, "Honestly, no." <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of our little thing, but yeah, I'm a goofball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was uh, a little dark on this. Um, for all the people I know, it's positively Midwest. You look at the bad and take the good out of it. But um, I am usually far more upbeat. Um, but Steve asked me to do this, and I was more than happy to do it. Um, but I am usually very laughing and very sarcastic and so you got a little taste of that there at the end. <laughs> yeah. So you did a great job because you really, you you know, you talked about everything, but in most, even the darkest of the situations, you would talk about it in a positive manner. So really, I mean, I think you did exactly what our our episodes are trying to do. And and it really, if it's someone can relate, then they uh, maybe they'll reach out to us. Maybe they'll reach out to you. Maybe they'll just feel better and and find another avenue for. For themselves, if if you will. So, yes. Yes. And if uh, any of your listeners would like to try aviation as an outlet, um, please get a hold of me. I've got some great contacts in Brookings that uh, if you just want to go up for a flight, um, i got some great points of contact there. If you want to go for a glider ride, uh, the guys up in Brookings, they, they meet, I think it's every Wednesday night, and they do glider rides. If you've been in around the Brookings area, you usually see them on, on Wednesday nights. Uh, they get, they got a tow plane that tows the glider up and then they detach. And those are really inexpensive rides for the gliders. I think don't quote me, but I want to say it's $30 just for a, a simple glider ride. Holy and biscuits. that is, it is an exhilarating feeling. Um, there's not a lot of feeling like when you're flying and, once you get in a glider, you know, there's no motor and you genuinely just feel like a bird. And it's just, it's just an amazing feeling. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's scary for me. It's exhilarating. Like I can go up in a plane right now and I would still feel like it was like one of my first times flying. (laughs) So it's a lot of outlets out there. If anybody genuinely, if anybody, um, needs help with anything um please feel free to call in or stop or i might be a a viable avenue if somebody is looking for one so you know that's the same policy i have with all of my kids um not saying any of your listeners are children in need of supervision but you know i i understand 
the dark places in the world. So Yes, and I would highly concur with the flying. My dad being a pilot too, there is nothing about, you know, if you're not afraid of any of that stuff, get up in there and it's a good way to cure your your fear of that too, by the way. But uh yeah, getting up in one of those small planes is is there's no other experience like it, you know, you can travel miles in in minutes and um you know, I can remember one time flying over um, Lake Ponset in our general area here, and uh, you could just see see stuff down in the water, and and the boats looked small, and it was just it's just something else. So he used to take aerial photography uh, photos too, and that that gets a bit a bit hectic because he's got to bank so hard and everything, but still very fun. So I would highly concur on uh, doing some aviation if. Uh, you know, look into anything. You never know what your outlet might be. So, exactly, I agree. <sighs> Perfect. Well, Steve, you got any other questions for me? Or I don't. I think we nailed it out of the park. You did. I mean, we killed it. We're uh, we're at an hour twenty five minutes. So you rock. Wow, it does not seem like that long. Well, <laughs> thank you again for having me as a guest. You're awesome as always. If you're looking for radio ads, please see. Mr. Steve Jerns with 99.1. <laughs> Thank you for all the shameless plugs. You are a gentleman and a scholar. You take that back. <laughs> oh, you man. do not tell anybody that. Okay, I won't, I won't say it. Um, I'll, I may or may not edit that part. We'll see. <laughs> nah, you're fine. I'm just not so good. No, I know. Okay, well, I'm going to do the little outro, and then if you want to hang out for a second, we can say a proper goodbye, and then uh, go about the rest of our lives in cohesive, positive nature. Yes, sir. That Carry works. on. Okay, all right. Well, thank you again, sir. I appreciate it. And here comes our fancy little outro. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for listening to Positively Midwest. Our hope is to inspire, engage all our thoughts, and leave you with some advice that could help. Be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Positively Midwest Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, share, and screenshot our podcast with all your cool friends. We are on all most major platforms, and you can stream it on our website at PositivelyMidwest.com. Thank you, and as always, please make sure that you stay positive. <laughs>